welcome to The Family Business. I'm your host, Shannon. I'm Donna. And I'm Z. And tonight we are joined by special guest... I'm Kaz. Hooray! So tonight we are discussing episode 8 entitled Crossroad Blues. And in this episode we get introduced to Hellhounds. We get introduced to Crossroads Demons who have red eyes. And so far we've seen the, the yellow-eyed demon, obviously, and we have seen the regular garden-variety black-eyed demons. Crossroad demons have red eyes. And in this episode, how Sam and Dean are introduced to this is they start investigating several weird deaths, and they start finding out that these people all have in common the fact that about ten years prior, they just became overnight sensations in whatever it was that they did, and now they're all just dying after rambling on about seeing a black dog. Also, they were all at Lloyd's Bar ten years ago. Yes. With all of that, Z, what lore do we have for this episode? So all the lore that I found for this was either hoodoo or omen related. Because there's, like, they talk about the, the black dogs and stuff, which is the most common thing you see with, like, death omens. And I think that's really funny because our last episode was death omens. So I looked up um, a bunch of hoodoo stuff because that was a big thing uh, in this episode, uh, specifically the goofer dust, mm-hmm. which is a real thing, and I think that's really funny because that's what it's called, and that's just a weird, a weird term for it. But it's got graveyard dirt, sulfur powder, rattlesnake skin, red pepper, black pepper, powdered every other thing you can think of, and sometimes anvil dust. And interestingly enough, it's almost never used for protection. It can be if you used graveyard dirt from, like, a loved one and salt, mm-hmm. but it's more often than not used, like, to cause illnesses in other people or to do kind of like a love me or die There was a weird like, phrase. Spell. I can't remember what it was. Enemy tricks? Was that the phrase I kept reading? I, I read about goofer dust, too, and I kept mm-hmm. that it was often used for... I think the phrase was enemy tricks. Basically yeah. bad things. Yeah. So basically you're hexing or cursing somebody yeah. with it. Yeah, that's what it's usually used for. And so I thought that was kind of interesting. That I, And I did find that it is sometimes used as protection, but more often than not it's used like as hexing. So in Hoodoo, there's a guardian slash trickster or whatever of the crossroads, and that's Papa Legba. Okay. And so he's okay. he's considered like the... It's in Haitian voodoo, and like, yeah, so he's like the guardian or the trickster, depending on kind of what lore you get into, where you learn about him at, because in some areas he's a trickster, and then some he's a guardian at the crossroads. <clears throat> and so, I don't know, I, I really like, like, the 1930s, I guess, as far as American history goes, because I feel like it's got some really cool stuff that, like, we don't go into, and so I really like this episode, because it gave me a, an excuse to do a little bit more research in that, that time period. Had you ever heard the Robert Johnson at the Crossroads legend before? I feel like I've heard some of his music, but mm-hmm. I don't know if I've heard, like, the legend. Uh, he, he pops up every now and then. I even kind of make a reference to it in one of the, the uh, novels I'm working on, uh, where a, uh, a rock singer has made a deal with the devil, and he goes by the code name Rock Crossroads. I did find that there was a couple of phrases that I thought were really interesting in reference to Crossroads, <clears throat> which is, like, between the worlds, a place without time, neither here nor there. Mm-hmm. I thought that was really interesting because, like, the definition of crossroads is where two roads intersect. I feel like that's kind of obvious, but, like, I just liked a lot of the phrases that I, yeah. I kept finding in all the sure, articles sure. and stuff. With the crossroads legends, too, generally whenever you're going to make a deal with a crossroads demon, the items that you bury and everything, it has to be at midnight under a full moon. 
or something that I found was right before dawn. Okay, interesting. Mm-hmm. Huh. I, I found the midnight stuff. I didn't necessarily see just under full moon, but I did see it midnight or right before dawn. And then there were some cases where it said that you had to return for like seven days and stand in the crossroads a certain time. I can see those being kind of synonymous in that at midnight is when the next day starts. So you have the crossing of time. Yeah. But you also have sunrise, which is, you know, early twilight. You have twilight and, sun- and sunrise. So that's another where the worlds are shifting. Mm-hmm. Right. The other thing that I found really interesting about the demon was that once it was summoned, it stuck around for like a week yeah. making mm-hmm. deals with all of these people. So apparently only one person had to summon it. And they're like, hey, fuck this, I'm free. Let's go mm-hmm. like get some more souls, you know? Yeah. I thought that was really interesting because I had forgotten that aspect of this episode. Mm-hmm. That, that the demon had stuck around. Yeah. Now, in reference to the Crossroads demon... Obviously, in the episode, it's a female, mm-hmm. and maybe I'm just reading way too much into this, and that is totally a possibility. But the first guy from the 1930s, whenever he made a deal with the demon, it was a black woman. Whenever Dean made a deal with the demon, it was a white woman. Like I said, maybe I'm just reading too much into that, but I just thought it was weird that, okay, uh, so a black man's making the deal, so it's got to be a black woman who's the demon. A white man's making the deal, so it's got to be a white woman who's the demon. I don't know. Well, I'm going to keep this at the non-spoiler level, but it does eventually become a a white man. Yes, it does. Mm -hmm. So, no, I mean, at the end of this episode, she expelled the demon. So it was a human that had been possessed by a demon, so... Maybe it was just whoever was closest. Because in the beginning, it seems like everybody in that bar was primarily black. So maybe it was just like a a crossroad demon had been summoned and she was close by. Maybe. I don't know. It just, it really stuck out to me. Yeah. Yeah. I just thought it was weird. I was going to say, the the first chick that got summoned was really pretty. Yes, so pretty. And in that white dress. Yeah. I was like, I'd make a deal with you. (laughs) Yeah, I was going to say, uh... So that's sort of assuming that whatever crossroads demon is summoned, that it isn't just a demon that came up from hell. It is actually, I'm going to possess the nearest person. Which makes summoning a demon way more sinister. Yeah. Because you're not just, at this point, you're not just talking, you know, hey, I'm, you know, I'm going to make a deal with it. I'm going to get somebody out. I'm going to great. In this case, it's, uh, you mind taking over somebody and then we could talk? Right, so uh, I can make out with you for a split second. That's well, and that's, that fits the lore of Supernatural, because we never yeah. see, like, a demon in its natural form other than the black smoke, mm-hmm. but it's always inhabiting a human. So, yeah, in order to make a deal with the devil, or the right. crossroads demon, you have to put somebody's soul, their life, their body at risk in order to do it. Yeah, that's interesting, because I had temporarily sort of forgotten that. And whenever the first one was summoned, I had thought that it was summoning to what the demon perceived this person would probably mm. make a deal with the most. I can see that. But the issue with that comes in the fact that they do have they don't just take human form. Right. They have to possess somebody. Right. So that's that's very fascinating. Plus, if you also look at I don't want to get too much into too much into this, but if you look at the 1930s, and if you have a white woman approaching a black man on a dark street, <laughs> that actually might make yeah. the black man wary. Mm-hmm. That well, might make no him... shit, because he's probably going to get lynched about two seconds later. Right, right? and that is yeah. not that is not the tone you want to have when you're trying to make a deal with somebody. Right? Yeah. yeah, that's true. So that's also a possibility. I mean, it's, it's a terrible thing that that's how it was. Right. But I feel like that's probably the reason. And you go to the you go to the now time you have Sam. It probably could have been 
the exact same woman from the original, and I think it would have been totally fine. But again, like, it just raises some weird questions. Like, I'm glad you brought it up, because I hadn't really thought about that. I just thought, oh, they're just taking the form that they think they'll like. But now with the whole, like, body swapping, it raises some issues, people. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah it's definitely something, something to think about. That is for sure. One thing, you know, about talking about traveling backwards in time was MySpace. MySpace. Oh, I loved it. <laughs> I loved it. I was like, oh my god. And of course, Dean's like, is that some kind of porn site? <laughs> well, you know. I was too young for MySpace. So I thought it was oh really funny. Because it was a period where I didn't know what MySpace was either. So. That was about two minutes before you saw the episode? No. Listen. I mean, it did it did rise and fall pretty quick. Oh, yeah. yeah. Because yeah. one of the things we do here on The Family Business is make fun of Z mercilessly. That's true. Um, for being young. But how dare she? Here's the thing. <laughs> this is the most technologically uneducated. No, that's not the word I want. What's the word I'm looking for? Ignorant. 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 The most technologically ignorant millennial you will ever meet. Yes. It's funny. Um, I, can it's plug in funny. A, I can plug in a VCR, but God help me, don't make me turn on a PS4. What's a VCR? <laughs> I know what a VCR is. <laughs> You know what's the thing right after Betamax? <laughs> oh, that is. <laughs> <laughs> so that, on. that one's fair. That one's fair. <laughs> Not many people do know what a Betamax is, although I have seen one. I raised right. one. And, anyway. Yeah, anyway. <laughs> so yeah, <laughs> MySpace. Um, what do you got next? I actually kind of skip over the architect and go straight to the doctor. There were, the architect was kind of a one and done thing. I mean, we, we just learned that, oh, hey, by the way, used to, he couldn't, you know, he couldn't design a freaking table, but now he's designing these buildings that, you know, make grown men cry. So that was the, our start of the tell of, hey, there's really something kind of mm -hmm. weird going on with that. I do have a comment about the architect. Not so much the architect, but whenever they're interviewing his friend and he says, oh, we're, you know, Alright, back up for one second. Usually, when they're in suits, they're FBI, Sam and Dean, when they're questioning somebody. Right. They're usually like, oh, we're here about the investigation, whatever. So, I really liked that they used this whole, oh, we're with, you know, New York, or uh, architectural design, or whatever. And the line that comes out of the guy's mouth is, even in death, this guy gets tributes. Mm -hmm. Right? Yeah. I can't even believe it. And that, that said so much about just everything that was going on. Like, that right. set the tone so well. And I was like... That is a weird response for your friend that just died. It was a great line, though. He, left, was... he left his family, he left me, he left something else. He listed three things, and he's still getting yeah. tributes. It was a great line. Yeah, like it was really well put together, and that made me instantly, like, that right there was such a great hook. I was like, what is going on? Mm -hmm. I've got to know. Well, and the thing that was interesting about the architect, too, is once we start realizing that it's a hellhound that's coming after them, unless they just didn't realize it, the architect was the only one who actually killed himself. We don't know for sure if the, the hellhound did catch up to him and, and he, like got him, but according to what we were told in the episode, he actually killed himself by throwing himself off the roof. So everybody else, other than Evan at the end, and potentially the painter, they all died from the hellhound. Okay. Maybe, maybe that's how I got out of the deal. Just <laughs> <laughs> like, oh, I read the final clause, I'm out of this, woo! Maybe. <laughs> I, feel, I, I don't know, I just kind of assumed that the like he had been running from the hounds and then got chased. And he was like, fuck, there's only one way to go. That is honestly kind of what I assumed as well, is that he had been chased out and they had done the whole, you know, dog jump on you. Ah, <laughs> That's kind of thing. So. Mm -hmm. 
Okay guys, well at this time we are going to go ahead and take a break. I would like to ask you guys to go visit wherever it is you get your podcasts and give us a subscribe, give us a rate and a review. That helps us out a lot. It really helps people find us. And if you would, we would love to interact with you on social media. You can find us on Twitter at TFB underscore SPN Fancast and on Instagram at the Family Business underscore SPN Fancast. Or if you're obsessed with Tumblr like me, you can find us on snarkcasts.tumblr.com. You can also find us on Facebook at Snarkcasts. And then finally go find us on gummycatnetworks.com. You can find the family business there, but also you can find our sister podcast, Collective Snark, Beyond the Cabin in the Woods, A Good Fool's Guide to Horror, and Once More with Feeling, a 20th anniversary book and guest. So please, gummycatnetworks.com, go check us out. So Donna, before we took the break, you said you were going to talk about something with the doctor. I had I had two things. Yes. The first was, and let me ask you guys what you thought. Do you think she was supposed to be 45 now? Or she was 45 when she became chief of surgery. Or 43, I think it was. I think she's supposed to be 40. The way I took it was that she was 43 now, but she looked older. And see, I that was my initial thought, too, was she was 43 now. But whenever we saw her, I'm like, well, maybe I misunderstood. Maybe she was, like, 43 whenever she got the huge promotion, and now we're yeah. later. It was really kind of hard to say. If she was 43 now, then that means that she was 33 when she became chief of surgery, which right. means she was about three years out of completing her residency. Then I would say that's probably the case right there. Yeah. I mean, it was just, it's an absurdly young age to become chief of surgery. Right. Was she a human doctor or an animal doctor? Human, I think. I mean, it said chief of surgery. Okay. But maybe, maybe I'm wrong. You don't typically have a chief of surgery at a veterinary hospital. No, you have to get to a big, like like a university teaching hospital, or there's a couple of giant hospitals in New York and Boston uh, that you might have a chief of surgery at. The other thing is actually less about her and more about that hotel manager that came to the door. When he started, whatever it was he was doing, I thought he was changing into a hellhound, but then mm. he kind of stopped. Oh my god, that was the creepiest thing I've seen in a very long time. Yes. Yeah, that Evan, was super yeah. creepy. Evan Hudson's wife does that. Julie, I think is her yeah. name. She does that too, and then she's like, I love you too. And I was like, oh, fuck no. <laughs> no, divorce. <laughs> Bye. <laughs> yeah. So that was that was a really amazingly creepy moment, and I just I really thought it was fantastic. One of the next people that we meet after that is uh, George Darrow, who was the one who introduced us to the Goofer Dust. Because at first Sam and Dean are like, "Whoa, you used the wrong shaker on that one. You need to go for the salt." And that's whenever he says, "Hey, no, it's this thing here." So my question is, okay, so obviously we see all of his paintings. We know that he's on the list to die. But we never see him actually die. Mm -hmm. So I thought it was kind of weird that they left that up in the air like that because... I would assume that he died because Dean made the deal for Evan Hudson. Yeah. He did not make the deal for like Evan Hudson and George yeah. Darrow. Also, yeah. George Darrow was like, I'm good to die. Like, I just got to get this last painting Here's done the thing. and I'm good. Yeah. I, whenever possible, I like to watch these episodes twice. And it wasn't until the second episode, the, the second viewing, I really got, he feels guilty about mm -hmm. all the other people. Because right. he's the one that summoned the demon. Right. And then she stuck around and made other deals. Yeah. I think he's blaming himself not just for making a bad deal, but also for getting other people involved. 
Right. Uh, so I think that's kind of why he was like, no, leave me alone, man. I'm, I'm good with this. I believe that's why Dean didn't include him in the deal, because yeah. I felt like Dean thought, you know what, you are kind of a monster. Because Dean was already on the fence of being like, they brought this on themselves, why should we have to say them at all? Right. And Be- he, he never quits being like that. Yeah, and I mean, he when he had the demon trapped, he could have just said, I want all your deals, boy. You know, as bad as it seems to be getting sent back to hell, for whatever reason, it seems like he could have easily done that, possibly, mm-hmm. when he just settled on the one. Yeah. Right. Which makes me think that that was kind of intentional, of like, eh, he, he screwed over a bunch of people, so, the, you know, the devil's going to get his due out of him. But this guy, he, he saved his wife. All right, you know. I think that that's probably the only reason why Dean did go through with that deal is because Evan was like, no, dude, this wasn't, you know, yeah, it was kind of selfish, but it was because my wife was dying. So it was kind of that, this affects me, but it affects her more. And it was a completely mirrored Dean and his father. Right. Mm -hmm. As far as the deal being made. So if he was going to condemn Evan, then he would have to equally condemn his own father for doing the exact same thing. He kind of does, though. But he kind of does. Yeah. Because especially with his speech, whenever he was like, "Look, dude, basically you get to die and you're fine. You put the, you know, oh, I can't live without this person, but now they have to live without you." And so I that we were definitely channeling that feeling yeah. with how John basically fucked Dean over by like, "Oh, hey, I'm saving your life, but guess what? You get to deal with the fact that I'm dead and burning in hell, and woohoo, you know, all for you. No pressure. Yeah, no pressure to live a really good life and do stuff. Right. Yeah." Exactly. It's kind of like the the final scene of Saving Private Ryan whenever the guy's like, did I lead a good life? Was I a good person? It's like, dude, that's a lot of heavy shit to put on somebody. Yeah. So, mm-hmm. yeah. Spoil that movie for me. Oh, Aww. <laughs> <laughs> the fuck up. Yeah. But, <laughs> uh, about, about that scene, though, I love the, the tricking of the demon. The yes. two double traps. Yeah, um, that was clever. It was very clever. And also, it's, it's, always, it's always a terrible, terrible thing. When you have a big bad and they're easily tricked, it's terrible. Uh-huh. Because then you're like, why was such a person's big bad? Mm-hmm. So the fact that he see, she sees it, she thinks she's got the upper hand. Dean, oddly, compared to the last episode where he was asking that woman, you know, the lawyer's wife, all these weird questions, and being a very bad actor. Right. <laughs> right. Not not the uh, not the actual actor, the the character. Yeah. And then he was really pulling her in with this daddy issues. I'm so torn up that she just walked right into it, mm-hmm. right into it. She, but also, that's Dean Winchester. Yeah. If she could get Dean Winchester, oh, like, yeah. oh man, what, what kind of accolades? And then, so mm-hmm. it makes perfect sense that she would stick around and risk almost anything if he's in this frame of mind just long enough right. to make a deal. Well, and this too was after she was like, oh, hey, Dean Winchester, I've heard about you. And it's like, well, dumbass, if you'd heard about him, you should know that he's not an idiot. You know? Mm-hmm. It's like, you just walked right into that, literally, dumbass on you. That actress was really good, too, because, like, seeing her, like, walking toward him, and then she, like, abruptly stopped, like, when she mm-hmm. got to the edge of that, the devil's trap. And then also, like, after the demon expelled itself, like, when she, like, immediately shifted back to who she really was, like, that was really good. Yes. Yeah, she was a distinctly different person. Yeah, absolutely. After the demon left. Absolutely. So I think we'll use that to segue into the female aspect of this episode. You know, there really weren't a lot of significant female characters. And I, I, I never kind of count the female demons as female characters because they're, they're demons who just happen to be in a female body. So yeah, there weren't a lot of female characters. There was the doctor, but we didn't really see much out of her. Right. She, her p- sole purpose was basically to die in the yeah. episode. So. Yeah. So 
Now, there wasn't really a lot of female representation, good or bad, in right. this episode. So that's all I got to say about that. Speaking of the Doctor, that was the first instance we got to see of the Hellhound's claws in action. Mm-hmm. Holy shit. Hellhounds are horrific whenever they start ripping into you. I mean, as we got to see on the hardwood floor, yeah. obviously after they had already ripped the Doctor to shreds, I mean, we're not dealing with, you know, a freaking chihuahua here. We're dealing with when they hell-level doggies. When they clawed that floor, I mean, I was sitting there looking at it going, holy shit, that is a big dog. Yes. I mean, urgh. Yes. That was, that was very impressive. Very well done. I wanted to point out that when Sam and Dean go to talk to Evan Hudson, they, like, walk through his front yard, and he's got, like, a little gate and a garden and stuff. On the gate, there's this little sign that says, Beware of Dog. <laughs> I totally missed that. I, I that missed was, that. <laughs> that was really funny. <laughs> that is pretty funny. Yeah, I totally missed that. I got, I got a question for the group about Hellhounds. How did you feel about them being 100% invisible? Because you run into this with horror sometimes, they're, they're, where it's like, show the creature, don't show the creature. They weren't 100% invisible, because in the beginning, when... Did we get his name? Is it the dude? Invisible to us. No, the, um... The senior. Yeah, what was his name? Robert Johnson. Okay, yeah. Yeah. Um, he sees their shadows in the windows. Yes. When he's performing. Yeah. And he also describes it as a big black dog. Yeah. Now, the people see them. Right. The people The the victims. The victims see them, but nobody else can see them, hear them, anything. And that's a thing with, like, the the traditional death omens, which are the dogs, is, like, you only see them if you are the one that's going to die. Right. Gotcha. I really like it for a number of reasons, including that the it would take a huge chunk of effect budget. Mm. Yes. Right. But also it makes them extra creepy to... Imagine. I mean, here's this horrific thing that's coming to eat pieces of you, mm-hmm. and you can't see it. You can hear it, you can't see it. I think it's just... I think it's, I think it's great. I really... I, I approve wholeheartedly. As a viewer, I really like that we didn't see it because, like, if y'all remember in the Wendigo episode, like, that was my favorite episode until you see this weird rubber mask guy right. running down the mine at them. And then right. I was like, oh, all right, that's not scary anymore. Like, So I liked it. I would prefer to not see the scary thing. The other good thing about it is that the, like, with Sam being in the room with Evan, he gets to see the effect of the vent cover being blown off and the doors just rattling like there's a fucking gigantic dog on the other side mm-hmm. because, hey, guess what? There is. So he can see the effects of right. what the dog is doing, but he can't actually see it. And and I agree. I think that that adds to the creep factor. I think that it definitely makes it that much more of a psychological mind fuck mm-hmm. because you know that it's there. You just don't know what it looks like. But you know that these people do. And I think that that's kind of like one of the more sadistic things that demons can do is that they actually show these people what it is that's coming to rip them to shreds. Mm-hmm. Correct. All right. Stephen King actually has an entire little diatribe about how you can all, whatever, whatever the writer can describe to you, the reader can always imagine something worse. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, like, oh, it's a 10 foot bug. Whew, I was worried it was a 20 foot bug. Yeah. You know, so. It's like a sore release. <laughs> we can handle tidbit. <laughs> yeah. When I was in college, I watched a French film because one of my friends was into really big, was really big into French films. But these three women end up killing this store owner because he's like a really super rapey, creepo dude. Makes sense. And they use fucking wire coat hangers 
to kill him. And all you see are these three women standing there with coat hangers, like going down towards the camera, and that's all they show. And I'm just like, no, fuck no. <laughs> and that's all they show is just them with those coat hangers going after this guy. And it was all it took to like just mm -hmm. no, no. So, yeah, so, sometimes yeah. the imagination is so much darker than like what you could produce. Yes, like, agreed. Yeah. Absolutely agree. I also really like the suspense when Sam was defend like was there with Evan, like not knowing if they were if they could affect Sam. Like Sam went running with Evan, like right. obviously mostly to protect him, but also mm. would the Hellhounds have gotten him as well? Well, like, the thing is, is that I think that other people at least believe that because Evan's like, "Hey, honey, get the fuck out!" Yeah, and the architect. Or not, excuse me, not the architect. Uh, the doctor, she left her house. She went to a hotel because her maid was there and everything, and obviously she didn't want other people affected. So at least two people Believed it. thought that somebody else would be yeah. affected by the hellhound. Yeah. Now, whether that would have happened or not, we don't know, but those two actually did believe it. Yeah. So here would be my compromise, because I also agree that it was better that they were not shown. But, and please correct me if, if I am wrong on the name of this creature, but there was an episode, I think, where Meg is in it, and, mm. they, and they have the devas, I think. Mm -hmm. Yes. And you can only see their shadows. Yes. And I thought, man, shadows are always dark. So when people were talking about black dogs, I was like, if somebody just saw the image of a black of a shadow of a dog, they, they would all see a black dog. And I thought this would been really neat, because they could have used that, and they could have sort of changed just the contour of the shadow however they wanted. It could have been bigger or smaller, there could have been multiples, it could have had spines or whatever. Personally, I wish that, that is what they went with versus just invisibility. I think the invisibility totally works fine. Right. I think it absolutely had the effects it wanted. I would love some shadows. I think if they had used the shadows, it would have run the risk of uh, mixing the two monsters. Also, in the Deva episode, like, I remember the claws or whatever, and it looked like okra fingers. Like, <laughs> like do y'all remember, like, me saying that last time? Like, I think it looks so. like their claws were just, like, okra, like, reaching out. And it was supposed to be creepy, and I was just like, just fry that shit up. <laughs> <laughs> a little, little cornbread meat. It's like, I'm right? getting hungry oh, over there. <laughs> so in the beginning, whenever they're looking at the FBI, like, wanted list, and it's listing all the stuff that Dean is wanted for, and then they're looking for Sam, and Dean says something. He says, uh, oh, you innocent, harmless young man, you. And I just thought that was really great. I'm <laughs> what I thought you were going to go with was whenever they were looking at the pictures of the big black dogs, and Sam turn, or Dean turns around oh. the one, he's like, hey, that could hunt the crap out of your leg. Yeah. And Sam's just like, dude, are you yeah. fucking serious right now? Yeah. And then Dean like tries to defend himself. He's like, well, look at it, it's yeah. good. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Alright guys, well unfortunately we are out of time for this week. We didn't even talk about Dean and his relationship. We didn't talk about it last time either. Mm -hmm. And there wasn't really a big one. I mean it was just the, hey, I think that dad did this and did you have something other than that? No, just that Dean was a prick. That was it. Dean yeah, was a prick. I think we kind of turned the that. sound up. It was just like, not answering. Mm -hmm. Sometimes you just gotta, you just gotta deal. And you Do got you some, want to cover that real quick? You got some music. No, it's fine. Dean was a prick. He's mad at his dad. He's mad at his dad. He's not ready to talk to his brother. And they don't have rooms to go to. They would obviously solve a lot of the problems. They'd just be like, I'm just going to go to my room for a while. And it's like, it's a motel room. It's the same room. <laughs> ah! Storm off to the backseat. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck you. It'd be like, they're all on the highway and he just crawls into the backseat. I'll drive with my feet. You just, you just stay on your side. Stop breathing my air. <laughs> 
actual <laughs> actual fight I had with a brother once. Put it in my hair. Read your own hair. Alright guys, well unfortunately we are out of time for this week. We want to thank you for joining us and we invite you to come back next week whenever we will be discussing what is probably one of the most iconic and influential episodes of Supernatural Croatoan. So until then, carry on, jerk, bitch. Gumby Cat Productions. Podcasts for podcast people. Meow. Meow.